Howdy. Just wanted to get a quick little episode out here before the end of the year. Joining me today is my history and film co-host, Logan Denning. We talk about the usual track nerds fare of travel, exercise, and movies and TV. Enjoy the show. So I've been wanting to talk to you about your trip to Dubai forever, and we finally kind of got some time here right before Christmas to do so. So remind me on when you met your wife and your dad in Dubai for a brief little bit. Was it kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, right before? or It was, it was a couple of months before, so it was like right after Thanksgiving of 2019. Oh, okay, okay. Before so the like, world had ended, literally yeah. like right before everything started happening. Well, I mean, the most of the travel restrictions and stuff didn't happen until like the spring, summertime. But yeah, it was right, right at the end of 2019. Okay, so how, how did that get planned in the first place? Just kind of a place you, you probably you had traveled through there before, but never like stopped to visit. Right. So I, yeah, I had, I had been through there, um, but I, I had never, um, visited there and I was, uh, in Afghanistan at the time. So my dad and my wife came from the States and then I just, I flew to Dubai from Afghanistan. So, uh, decidedly shorter trip for me than it was for them. Um, and it was actually my, my wife's first time traveling international. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, you know, like a, that's an experience. 20, 20 something hour, uh, trip plus, uh, it's an 11 hour time difference. Ugh. So it was like, you know, basically any, any international travel she does you know, from that point forward is going to seem like true, true. Going to Europe now is not a big deal as far as any jet lag. So did did she, how did she feel about it? Was it, was she something, I know, I know she's maybe apprehensive beforehand, but when she was there, was she like, oh man, this travel sucks or she, how would she handle that time difference? Uh, she didn't like the jet lag, but she, I mean, all the stuff that we did was okay. uh, Worth it. We both had a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, here, let me see if I can share my screen with you. I kind of, condense some of the pictures and stuff for some of the more interesting things that we saw so this was uh one of the first things that we went to this is the dubai museum um it's in an old fort called the al-fahidi fort which is one of the uh actually it is the oldest building in dubai that's Hmm. still around um it's built in 1787 but it's basically just it's kind of a uh a historic uh, historical museum for Dubai. So they have like these are old um, boats. Uh, Dubai was a big into pearl diving uh, before oil. Uh, that was like the the main main thing of in their economy was uh, pearl diving. So you got some old spears and stuff. You know, old uh, displays showing how the how the city's grown. Um, different cultural stuff. So is it not that old of a city compared? You always so seventeen hundreds being the oldest building, it just kind of blows my mind. When you think about anything outside the United States, you think of oh yeah, every major city has thousands of year old things in them. And so why is Dubai well, so, so new? Or their buildings just not last because of their sand? buildings just weren't didn't last. It was a lot of like you know nomadic type. Uh, okay, but like like if you look at these pictures, so these are like pictures of grave sites and stuff, and like there are archaeological digs. For things that are like thousands of years old, huh? They just they just were more nomadic and didn't build permanent structures a thousand years ago, right? Okay, yeah, okay. Um, 
So this is the Dubai, they call it the Dubai Creek. It's a, the, the body of water that runs kind of through the city and then out to the Gulf. In Dubai, they call it the Arabian Gulf. Uh, in uh, Iran, they call it the Persian Gulf. It's... Uh-huh. I didn't think <laughs> the about Gulf that. that so we... separates those two areas of the world. <laughs> it depends on what you call it. Um, oh, this is kind of cool. So this is uh, this like kind of uh, Emirati cultural center where we went and they basically have like traditional Emirati food. You know, you eat there, you sit on the floor, just like you see in the, in the picture there. So you eat this food and then they have, um, there's a, a, not really a, a tour guide, but this guy that uh, works in this cultural center comes out and he kind of talks about like the history and the culture of Dubai. And then you can ask him questions and, uh, People were asking questions, everything from like, you know, Islam, what are your views about like, you know, terrorism and Iran or, you know, what uh, it kind of uh, I think their 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 mission was kind of to dispel misconceptions that Westerners have of not just uh, Dubai or the, or the the UAE, but just kind of Arab and Middle Eastern culture. In right, right. So how long were you guys there? Uh, we were there for a week. And we did, we spent every day except for one day was in Dubai. We did spend one day in um, Abu Dhabi, which I'll show you pictures of. How, how far uh, was that? Is that just like a bus ride away kind of thing? Yeah, it's like it's like a couple hours okay. um, by bus. Uh, but Abu Dhabi is actually the capital of the UAE, which I guess I didn't know until we, <laughs> until we went there. Um, but Dubai is obviously the more famous city, but Abu Dhabi is, uh, like the capitals where the, the government is headquartered. Well, it's interesting though, too, cause like, so Abu Dhabi was the city I had always heard of growing up. I didn't hear of Dubai until I was in like college. So I think it's become more prominent more recently. So that might, I guess that's a, that might be like an age difference thing between me and you because you know, right. You definitely hear of Dubai more now. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I always knew Dubai more, um, but yeah, I think it's just the economic thing. But yeah, I, I was. It is weird how cities become, you know, in the cultural zeitgeist as far as uh, as far as that goes. I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, uh, this is the uh, the Burj Al Arab. It's a. Uh, it's supposed to look like a sailboat, so that's like one of the you know famous Dubai right, buildings. Right. It's like a very very expensive hotel, basically. <laughs> This is, uh, so this hotel, this is, um, the Atlantis, which is like the one in, uh, is it Jamaica or the Bahamas? Hang on. Oh, is there a similar one? It's in the Bahamas. Uh, but the notable difference for this one being there's, uh, no gambling. <laughs> there's no casino in this one oh. <laughs> because gambling is illegal in the UAE. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but it's on, this is, uh, what's on the very end of the uh, Palm Jumeirah, which is the the big man-made island in the yeah, shape of yeah. palm tree. At, at, at the end, like the base or the end, like out in the water? Out on the tip. Oh, wow. Out at the end, yeah. That's crazy. And there's actually, so the Emiratis have been kind of like, this kind of like their thing is building these man-made islands or, or right, right. I've, I've seen lots of the pictures, yeah. Yeah, so this is the first one and it's the biggest one. They also have the Palm Jebel Ali which is another palm tree shaped man-made peninsula out in the water. Then they also have the World Islands, which if you look at it like on Google Earth, is a, a bunch of islands that when you look at them from above, 
looks like a map of the world. Yeah, that's so crazy. I, I'd be curious to do more research about how they do all those, but it's been done forever. I mean, like, the one that sticks out for me is, say, like, Boston. How do you build an airport when a city like Boston's been around for hundreds of years? Oh, you just put new land in the water and put the airport on it. Like, it's it's just fascinating. It's like, we've been doing that, too, just to kind of make land. But I, I don't understand the process where it's stable enough that you can trust it for hotels and airports and things. You just fill, you just fill in the water, and I guess it's low enough at the bottom anyway. You're just, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It blows my mind. Yeah, apparently it was like, it was one of those things where they, you know, Initially, it just sounds like, oh, you just put a bunch of, like, sand and dirt out in the water and you have a new island. But um, I guess erosion was a big issue. So then they had to build these, like, buffers around the outside to keep the tides from washing away their island that they just built. But then there was an issue of, well, then the water, if it can't recirculate, it basically is, like, stagnant water. So you have to find a way to let enough water out that it can, you know, circulate fresh water in. And so it was like this whole engineering marvel, basically. So that's for UAE, but like, how would they have done Boston back a hundred years ago? Or that's was, I, oh yeah, I've, I've I have no idea. Huh, I, I need to do more more research on that, I guess. Because isn't uh, isn't like Ellis Island? Isn't this isn't it the same way? Oh, maybe I, I know it's a thing that people have been making land in, in the yeah. water near other land for a long time, and uh, yeah, I just don't know. I actually the one I'm that's I. Swear I'm not making this up, but it sounds so bizarre. I swear, like Venice is like they put giant, they basically chop down the trees and then put the trees uh-huh. all vertical into like the water. It was like marshes and basically just jammed okay. the jammed the trees into the marshes, and then that was basically what was stable enough to then build a city on. Like, oh my gosh, I could be remembering wrong, but it's something crazy like that, right? Uh, the uh. Burj Khalifa, uh, tallest right. The, in the Mission Impossible, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, it's uh, which that's kind of like a theme in Dubai is like a lot of the stuff that they build, they want to be like the most something or the biggest whatever it is. So like this is the it's the tallest building in the world. Um, they have this. This is Dubai Frame, which is the world's largest picture frame. It's like <laughs> it's 150 meters high. Holy um, cow! And actually, you can see in this picture there's glass underneath. Because you can take an elevator up to the top or whatever? Top because, yeah, yeah, so you take an elevator up to the top, and then you can look straight down 150 meters. So let's say, that's, I'm, trying to think, I'm trying to think how that compares to the St. Louis Arch size-wise. But yeah, similar kind of concept. Yeah. Uh, this was kind of cool. This is a, uh, an off-road excursion out into the desert. So you get in these like SUVs, and they, they drive you like all through these sand dunes and stuff, and then they have... This little, like, another kind of cultural center out in the middle of the desert where they have, like, they do falcons. So they, like, uh, the falconers are out there doing their little falcon demonstrations. They have camels, um, you know, traditional dancing, traditional food type stuff. Well, it's all very set up for tourism. And, and the part, part of the reason they have those... That's their, yeah. it's their biggest industry. Right, now. well, oil. <laughs> I think it, I think it's, uh, I think it is tourism. Now. Oh, wow, okay. Well, it's almost, yeah. it's actually, that's almost kind of a smart thing to do. It, it's, it's, honestly, it's Netflix going from DVDs to streaming and then to original content. It's almost like if oil is a finite supply, well, hey, let's make us a tourist destination so that when the oil's gone, we still have the tourist in- in- industry. It's actually a, kind of a brilliant move. Okay. So, uh, I was both correct and incorrect in saying that apparently 
the rest of, for the rest of the country, oil is the main source of income. In Dubai, it's tourism. That makes sense. Uh, so this is these are some pictures from uh, when we went to Abu Dhabi. We went to go see um, the Sheikh Zayed Mosque, which is the biggest mosque in the UAE. Everything in there is like covered in gold or somehow super expensive. They have this like giant cart, not cart, carpet um, that's like all one piece. Basically, they like got these famous carpet makers from Iran to come in and like make this carpet with no cuts and no seams. They have these like giant chandeliers that are like all gold and Swarovski crystals. It's uh it's pretty insane. It looks really new. Is it pretty new? It was built in it's finished in 2007. Yeah, okay. Okay. Let's see. Oh, keeping with the uh I don't know if I have any pictures of it on here, but keeping with the uh the theme of the biggest whatever, they have the uh world's biggest Ferris wheel, which they call Ein Dubai, which is like similar to like the one London London and all those, but way bigger. So the Lon- it's 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 bigger than the London Eye. I don't know by how much, but it's the world's biggest Ferris wheel, um, and they they definitely uh, tell you that. This is the uh, world's most leaningest building <laughs> in Abu Dhabi, so it, it uh, leans like, I think it's like 18 degrees, which, uh, just for reference, the Leaning Tower of Pisa is only like 4 degrees or something like that. <laughs> they obviously wanted so they, to beat know, it on purpose, yeah. Yeah, they, you know, that's like that's like their thing. There is, there's a, like an offshoot branch of the Louvre in Abu Dhabi. So these pictures of all these sculptures and art stuff is, uh, is that basically the, the Louvre Abu Dhabi. This is my favorite room where they had all of the, uh, old maps and globes and stuff. Oh, wow. It was a good time. There's a, there's a lot to do there. I think, well... Right now, uh, the travel is pretty restricted for COVID, but I think if you if you have a negative test within so many hours, like you can still go. Okay, and and hopefully a lot of stuff's kind of going to get lifted here uh, in general. So yeah, so but basically, like, because uh, I think I would say maybe a lot of Americans might be hesitant to go to the Middle East, but as far as like safety and all those kinds of things, I mean, I've, I've never heard anything but great things about Dubai, right? Like, there's you'd probably never felt any issues or i never yeah i i never felt uh like i was in any kind of danger i'm sure normal normal big city precautions with you know either the panhandlers or people trying to scam you and all those kinds of things maybe but i i I don't know right okay right um but not basically i i would go to dubai a hundred times before i went to like tehran (laughs) okay okay like no one's no one's like giving you sideways glances or anything because you're like a you know you are uh, a Westerner or an American or anything. Okay, it's actually the opposite. They're they're very friendly. Okay, and that, that's kind of the vibe I've always gotten about it. I, I think I mentioned before to my uh, my mom's cousin's husband, but but anyway, he, they uh, he's helped set up a university over there in, in Dubai and kind of goes back and forth. I think still to like advise and stuff. I think there's like a women's university in the city, and he was like one of the people who helped found it uh, or was you know, administration over there for several years and was anyway, just kind of instrumental with that and still goes back to kind of in an advisory capacity a couple times a year, I think. So, yeah, it's a really cool place. And it's at least all the people that, that we dealt with, they're very open to, um, like at that, at that, uh, little tea thing. Yeah. They're, they're, I think a lot of times people have this, this notion or this idea, at least Americans do that. Oh, well, I don't want to like, talk about any like touchy subjects with someone from the middle east because they're just going to get offended and they're they're really 
they're very patient. At least the people that I dealt with were very patient with um, Americans and Westerners and very respectful in the way that they would address, you know, certain subjects that people might think are uh, touchy or that they might get offended, like talking about religion or women's rights or, you know, whatever. No, nice. And and I think that that's awesome. Like, yeah, I would love to go and uh, be uh witness of some of those those conversations and just i like the idea of recognizing that common humanity and we have different backgrounds and different cultures but we can still find common ground and break bread together and all that that's awesome right um any any trips uh planned for this coming year with with the given climate or are you still kind of on hold for a while i i'm not going anywhere (laughs) okay Um. of course you've you've kind (laughs) of had your fill of uh being overseas i guess for a while and no reason to go anywhere yeah um yeah I did go ahead and so again, I had my trip to Japan was canceled last year. I tried to make it up with a trip to Alaska and that was canceled. And this, the COVID stuff has just been obviously a disaster for, for travel. So what I wanted to do though was, so we're recording this on December 18th and you know, the vaccines have started to be implemented in the United States. And I wanted to kind of get ahead of uh, flight prices going back up for next summer because everyone can travel again. So I kind of wanted to like book something before the vaccine went widespread and before kind of anyway, with the thinking being I could get a cheaper flight and I will be able to travel next summer. It's kind of my plan. So I did go ahead and book a trip to Europe for next summer. It's fun doing the research of, you know, flight prices and stuff. So I kind of just, you know, you like, you know, a spreadsheet of, okay, Wichita to all these different places in Europe. And then you also try to hack the system as far as, okay, but is it cheaper to book it this way? So what I wanted to end up doing, so even though Ireland is not my vacation destination necessarily, Wichita to Dublin for $700 and then from Dublin to anywhere else in Europe is way cheaper than booking Wichita to that place. Even though, you, even if you got connected through really? Dublin, yeah. So, like, this is the example I've been using is say Wichita to Paris, say $1,100. Well, but Dublin to Paris, 90 bucks. Well, that means I just got from Wichita to Paris for less than 800 if I go through Dublin as a separate booking. Okay. And so, even factoring in like lodging and like food costs and stuff for like the extra however long you would spend in Dublin? Or are you saying like you. You would like just go there, and you would have like an eight-hour layover or something. Um, directly. So yeah, th- th- that's a good point. Well, I'll say TBD. So currently, okay. all I have scheduled is a five-week round trip to Dublin. But my plan is to now, as things maybe as things get closer. Now that I got the, kind of the biggest piece booked, I'm gonna kind of keep looking forward to. Okay, so now where can I fly from Dublin? And yes, maybe I'll go ahead and spend a couple of days in Dublin, leave the airport take that into account but it's still vacation time so it's not like it's like oh well that's more cost it's like yeah but that's cost of being in ireland so i'll be in ireland so i don't see it as this is like sitting sitting at home doing nothing or where you know or a a, added unnecessary cost um but honestly i'll kind of let the flights dictate that if it's like oh if there's something that i can book oh hey that's just two hours after this flight lands boom i'll go ahead and book that and i'll just go straight from the airport and you know catch another flight to oslo or wherever else so i roughly kind of i'm looking at sicily switzerland and scandinavia the three s's are just kind of a coincidence but we'll kind of see what just kind of how it kind of plays out but i just i booked the window dublin is the launching point and we'll kind of see how it plays out here over the next couple months as i get so this stuff is booked. for this is for summer for next summer 2021 yes yes okay 
And again, so I'm, I'm hoping by, you know, this spring, I should be able to get the vaccine. And then I'm hoping that everything opens up. Now, uh, now Ireland's one that's been one that never actually closed down. You could actually have gone there last month as a U.S. citizen. You just would have had to quarantine for two weeks before going out in public or whatever. But you could, oh, but, really? but they weren't keeping you out of the country. Gotcha. I, so I should be safe to have a five-week Ireland trip no matter what. And then... Uh, I'm hoping that as other countries open up or I'll be able to have, hey, here's the paper that says I have my vaccine. And I, right. I just I guess I'm just counting on people lifting restrictions. Well, they'll just be able to scan the micro, the Bill Gates microchip in your vaccine. To- well, see, that's perfect then. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and it gives you, you get Wi-Fi from it too. Well, oh, that's perfect. Uh, did, you, did you see the, the, the picture they showed uh, Bill Gates with the remote control flying the British lady around in the air? Like <laughs> Bill Gates enjoying his first victim or whatever. Like, no but that's funny <laughs> and of course all that's ridiculous because if they want to track you your smartphone you already give them permission by having your smartphone oh yeah they don't need to put a microchip in your body like you already give them permission to do that right anyway. you carry it around with you at all times okay so uh moving on to exercise stuff tell me about this home gym that you got set up now yeah so i was i was kind of like uh this the the pandemic was I'm not going to say the pandemic was was good for this, but it kind of like validated my kind of doomsday prepper attitude towards my home gym. Basically, over the last few years, I've I've kind of amassed this pretty nice setup that I have in my garage. And then, you know, with the pandemic, like all the gyms shutting down and everything, it it didn't affect anything that I was doing because I already had all this stuff uh, in my garage. But basically, it's a... it's a pretty basic setup and I, I think I probably have even more stuff than is actually necessary. Honestly, as far as like home workouts go, if you just have like a set of dumbbells, you can do right, right. Just about anything. But uh, if you have a barbell, even better, uh, a barbell and some, uh, I have like bumper plates so that I can do deadlifts and, and stuff like that without causing too much damage on the, on the concrete. But uh, barbell and, and bumper plates and, and a set of dumbbells, um, you're, you're set. I have uh, power blocks, too, so they're like the adjustable dumbbells. Oh, okay. You, so basically, the same set of dumbbells changes weight depending on how you set it? Yeah, yeah so it's it's a, it's like a, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's it's got a, I think you pull it out on the side and you could put it up and down, and uh, it goes from basically the empty handles like 10 pounds all the way up to like 90. Oh, wow. Okay. Um so yeah, I got that. I got some kettlebells, which is you know similar to what you can do with uh, dumbbells. And then uh, yeah, running anywhere that you have outside, you can run. Um, <laughs> well, in being in Phoenix, that's uh, also uh, more likely than in Kansas in the winter. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. Um, it's it's yeah, December eighteenth, and uh, it's like sixty degrees outside right now. Right, right. <laughs> so r- yeah, running running for me is more of a year round thing than it is probably for uh for you guys in Kansas. But I also have uh I have a, a rower and a an assault bike, like an air bike. Those are less uh like things that I would say are necessary to have in a garage gym, but they're definitely really nice to have. Well rowers are surprisingly cheap and don't take a lot of space when you fold them up, right? Oh, uh, my rower is pretty okay. Expensive. Fair. I, okay. I don't know how cheap you can actually okay. get rowers. I have a pretty nice one. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, you can you can when you stand them upright. Um, as long as the ceiling is tall enough for it to stand all the way up. But they, yeah, they do make ones that yeah fold up. Even the the bike, 
it doesn't take up that much room. But I would say, you know, like for if you live somewhere where it's cold, you know, too cold to like run outside, having just something like that where you can still get some kind of like cardio or metabolic conditioning work done in a stationary spot. I would almost, if, like, just going with one, I would recommend the bike over the rower. All right. um, rowers are probably more ubiquitous. I think probably more people have, you know, used the rower than the, than the bike. But the bike, I think, is, at least to me, it sucks more to be on. So <laughs> I would say that that's the better choice. I like the total body of the rower, though, because you get the shoulders more into a rower. Yeah, but with the air bike, you have the moving handles, too. Oh, the... yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So yeah, it's it's not just a it's not right. just like a stationary okay. bike like you would use in a spin class. It's like more like an air bike with a big you know fan on the front, but there's nowhere to hide on it. So like on a rower, you know you might be able to take like a couple breaths in between pulls, whereas on the bike you're like, going, <laughs> and you can hear yourself if you start to slow down. You can you know it'll start to the pitch it'll start right, to pitch right. down. So it's like oh man, I'm 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 sucking. I'm you know <laughs> I gotta I gotta yeah get the get the RPMs back up. So you just just have. Is the whole garage just set aside to weight room and the cars don't get to go in there or is half the how Yeah, we leave our cars outside because you Because you're in Phoenix. Again, it's, <laughs> it's Phoenix, so I don't have to worry there's I don't have to worry about hail damage or anything or like having my windows frosted over. Ah, um, okay. So our cars are just are just in the driveway and the garage is I mean there's there's other storage stuff in there, but it's mostly just okay. gym stuff. But even even my gym stuff, like I I have uh, I have squat stands, so it's two separate stands where you just you like put weights on the bottom so they stay there. But if I take the weights off, I can like put the stands off on the wall and I can have the whole garage still. Oh, nice. Okay, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. No, yeah, that's uh, yeah, I didn't think about because sun damage to the vehicles long term be the only thing. But I guess if you're keeping them uh, waxed yeah. and all that, and, and that's uh, yeah. Anyway, no, that's awesome. You don't think about that garages are just as prevalent in Arizona and California and places like that where you don't actually need <laughs> garages. Yeah. It's just become a house design thing as opposed to a necessity. This is uh, getting off on a tangent here, but do you see fewer garages? Like someone will build a brand new, big, nice house and just not have a garage because they don't need it? Or does everyone um, pretty much have a garage? Everyone has a garage. Uh, it's almost like a safe for your car, even if it's not for Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing that I notice here that no one has that everyone has Kansas's basements oh basements really yeah yeah well because like in you know in storm shelter in kansas it's right it's a it's a tornado shelter and you can actually dig in the ground whereas here the ground's a lot harder it's just it's expense that you don't you know i didn't think about why go to all the trouble of digging a basement when you can just build up a second story you don't have to worry about that's crazy i never thought about that there's huh i didn't think about the ground being that much harder Yards is the other thing I was thinking of that uh, you see fewer yards. That too. I don't even own a lawnmower. Right. My it, entire yard is is rocks. Right. I wish that was a thing more everywhere too. Because oh, my dad says that every time he comes here, he's like, "Man, I, I wish it was like more socially acceptable for me to just have rocks in my yard because I would just have rocks or just a, just a concrete yard and just not have to mow or do any yard work." Right. It's also, you can argue, environmentally irresponsible to have a big grass lawn and all that. And and even the history of it is, I forget where I ran across it, but it's, it's basically just a social status thing going back to like medieval Europe. And I'm pretty sure it even had to do with like, oh, we're so wealthy, we can use this 
you know, tillable land to just put grass on for yard games. And we don't actually oh. have to have like agriculture or anything going on that. We're so wealthy. Gotcha. Look at our yard. I don't have to have like, right. a gar- I don't have to have a garden or, or crops for food. Right. Right. I can just, it's just have this grass space for playing play tennis croquet and croquet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now it's, and then that evolved to middle-class. Everybody's got to have their grass lawn. It's like, no, you don't make it rocks. <laughs> like It's fine. Nice. But you're right. It's, it's it's a social thing, and that even just you know, where's that line? So in Arizona, oh sure, you don't have to have a grass lawn. Right, Kansas, you do. But it's like you're what a ten hour drive and we went straight there. Like it's it's uh it's, so where's that line occur? I guess the Texas Panhandle. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, there there are people here who have who have lawns. I mean, no, there's, right, there's right. But there's like, not people if you care about it. You can ha- you have grass, but but the reverse isn't necessarily true. Right, right. Uh, I remember being out, I've seen like an out in, oh, I forget if Arizona specifically, but out in like San Diego, you'll see like people just split the difference and they have artificial turf. And so it's green. Oh yeah. But it's fake. That's pretty popular out here too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I mean, I don't know. Well, for for playing, for playing on, if you're going to have kids playing catch out in the yard, I think, uh, AstroTurf makes more sense than rocks. For sure. Um, but I would say at least for, for me, uh, the reason that I, don't have astroturf and probably won't ever is because i have a dog oh no (laughs) yeah true if if your dog like you know (laughs) poops on your astroturf it's not like grass where you know it's where it eventually you know it's like biodegradable or you know like it you have to you have to go clean that off right right well the rocks isn't much different other than aesthetically no but i mean you you, you can pick it up off the rocks and you know i don't have to go out there with the hose and make sure that i wash the rocks off. yeah okay no right that sounds that sounds very gross (laughs) (laughs) so let's uh let's end here real quick with then just anything we haven't already talked about that you've been watching recently and uh i i have one that is probably going to work our way its way into our other podcast that I want to mention here first. That if I haven't already, is I'm almost done with Deadwood. Um, I have one episode and then the, the TV movie to go. And I knew I would like it based on other people recommending it to me. Actually, Jason Gregory on this very podcast last year recommended it to me, so I knew I'd like it. But I'm more like, no, I love it. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Good as opposed to just like, oh yeah, it's solid. Like. I am blown away by how solid Deadwood is. And it's more just a, it's kind of both in the sense of great job of slice of life, diverse characters that all live in this world and are all unique. And there's all their interpersonal relationships with each other. So it's like, Oh, we haven't seen this person with this person just, and it's such a large cast that works, but at the same time, it's almost hyper realistic and they speak almost Shakespeareanly poetic. And just the way the dialogue is written it's like there's no way it's realistic because it's just too clean and perfect, but also fitting for the world that they're in in the 1800s. And it's awesome. You got to watch Deadwood. Yeah, I'll check it out. I've seen, I th- I've seen a couple episodes. I think kind of like out of context, but never, never sat down and watched it. Never, don't really, you know, know what the uh, the through premises. So. Yeah, I'll have to check it out for sure. Right. It never really, I mean, not that it didn't interest me. I just had never prioritized it. And now that I have, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Um, you, yeah. Have you been watching anything? So uh, one of, a show that I recently went back and watched, I had watched the first season like a year ago, but they just released uh, a new season recently is Criminal. You ever watched I've heard of it, but I have, no, I haven't seen it. I've heard of so, it. So there are different versions of it. And they're kind of like, it's kind of like an anthology, not not an anthology, uh, 
there's for different countries they have different versions of the show. So oh. it's like the one that I watch is the UK because I speak English, but they have like criminal Spain and criminal France and criminal Germany. And it's the premise of the show is that it's like police investigation show, but it takes place entirely in an interrogation room. Hmm. And the only the only Is it scripted uh, or a documentary? No, 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 it's scripted. Huh. But it's it's the interrogation room and then the observation room and it just kind of goes back and forth. Lots of, lots of low budget. If you got good writers, that's a good way to go. Yeah, um, which it sounds like it might be boring because you don't get any of the cool like CSI type stuff. You don't get any of like the actual like cop work. It's only the interrogations. Huh. But it's it's fascinating and the it's like a really compelling show. It's really suspenseful even at times. But they they get uh, there's some pretty big name like British actors in it. They have like David Tennant is in an episode, Kit Harington's in an episode, and it's also kind of ambiguous every episode as to whether or not the person even did the crime that they're being interrogated for. Hmm. So it's it's not even like a CSI where it's like oh okay like they got this person in the interrogation room like they're guilty and here's all the evidence they have and they just have to get them to confess like it's uh, sometimes the cops are wrong or sometimes the crime isn't what it seems when you first start the episode but it's it's really cool I think you ch- should check it out it's it's also not very many episodes so they're like forty five minutes long and I think the first season is like three episodes and the second season is four episodes huh. Okay, yeah, I, I'm I'm pulling it up on Rotten Tomatoes here, and yeah, it does look interesting. It, of course, I'm also going the other way too, where I was like, oh, I'd be, I would have listened to the France one, okay, but it's, do you even have access to it, or is it more like whatever Netflix? Yeah, okay. you know, if you if you have Netflix, you can watch them. I just haven't. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, because they're. I mean, not that I have anything against watching stuff in other languages. I mean, we we've done a bunch of uh, episodes of history and film on foreign movies, but um, I just haven't checked them out yet. But they, yeah, they. I don't know if they're as good i think they they're it's different stories though too on the other country it's no not right just the yeah same yeah episode but just in a different language right it's all yeah that's awesome so i guess maybe i hadn't heard of, i haven't been thinking of like criminal minds or something i don't think i have heard of this um that's interesting i'll have to check that out the only other thing I, is uh trying to do my normal end of year watch all the oscar contenders thing that's just so different like i'm so i've I've been keeping my movie stubs since the mid nineties. I've have an Excel spreadsheet where I keep track of how many movies I go to in the theater each year. <laughs> this is set in the record <laughs> because I think I went once in like maybe January or something. And that's it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, so I'm going to go a whole year and only have gone to the movie theater like a handful of times and maybe even just once. And, and then also trying to, you almost get like demoralized in a weird way. And I'm trying to figure out, what movies because they're still having the oscars they moved back to like april but i think they're still doing a regular 2020 oscar season everything's just kind of been released online it's gonna be weird too because yeah you're gonna have all this stuff like do the streaming movies count i mean how do they how do they are they gonna penalize movies that didn't are are they gonna keep the the criteria and say well if you didn't have the release because it What's it, it has to be released in so many theaters. Is it in L.A. and New York or something like that? I think so. So I don't know if they are still doing that and those are being watched you know, with masks and all that or if they've lifted that criteria. And what's interesting, too, is there's always been this a decent chunk of the voting body, including people like Steven Spielberg, have felt like Netflix movies shouldn't count. But then all of a sudden this year comes along and it's just like, well, kind of hard to make that argument these days. Yeah, exactly. But 
I don't know. It's it's it, it anyway. It's interesting. So I I, mean, I haven't seen a ton yet. And I feel like I got to play catch up, but I guess I have an extra some more time to kind of get my best of twenty twenty list together. And that's probably what I need to start watching here now. I guess is uh just whatever those contenders might be. I do watch like say Mank, the movie about writing Citizen Kane, and it was solid, but okay. not necessarily one that'll be my favorite of the year. But it was very well made and could win some Oscars and stuff. I guess, but uh, yeah. And hey, it's Fincher, so it, it right up right up your alley. I want to check out Tenet too. I still haven't seen that. Actually, while we're while we're talking here, I just got a text from Cody asking, "Have you seen Tenet?" But uh, no, I have not seen it yet. I know it. I know it's it just like either just came out or is about to come out on streaming. So I'll I'll probably bite the bullet and just pay however much money they want me to pay to watch it. But um, yeah, I didn't I didn't go see it in theaters obviously no and that's interesting too because so you, there was like the big deal because warner brothers said they were gonna uh release everything next year on streaming or on hbo max or whatever on hbo max right yeah. and so christopher nolan was one who was like apparently ripping them a new one because he's just like that's not how it's supposed to work you're in, and i didn't like read the details of his of his rant but i guess he's beside himself and so probably i think part of the reason i haven't gone out to watch Tenet is. I feel like you're supposed to watch it in the theater and I'm doing Nolan a disservice by not. Of course, also the reviews aren't as great as some of his other stuff. So it's kind of whatever, I guess, at this point. Well, and also, like, when would you go see it in theaters? Or is it still in theaters now? Oh, yeah. I, no, I guess my thought was it'll get released again and it'll always watch it a year late. No, and honestly, though, if I'm kind of watching all of the best 2020 movies, I probably just need to go ahead and, and, and go ahead and watch it, I guess. But... <laughs> Um, it, it, yeah. it's lower reviews have also caused, caused, again, it doesn't have bad reviews. It just doesn't have these stellar reviews that Nolan stuff usually gets. Yeah. I've heard it's kind of just too confusing for its own good. Oh, really? But, uh, I'm still very curious to watch it, so I'll have to do that. Okay. Yeah. That's really all I had to talk about today. Thanks Logan for your time. Yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. And we'll catch you later. Yeah.